Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is June 15th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, I'm doing phenomenal. I had a, uh, a great day out at LACC. Uh, I am bummed that you're, you're not here. We had, you had to depart the Dratty House. So um, unfortunately, I hope everything's okay. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that you were back home. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, is, uh, it was an awesome day out at LACC. And... Uh, excited to talk about it yeah yeah so i had to uh had to yeah head home from the dratty hollywood house for the little family health thing but uh everything should be all right uh but i enjoyed i watched most of the entire day after getting off the red eye uh i was kind of you know in and out not not you know start to wire to you know wire to wire but it's a long ass day Nine forty eastern time for me by the time i got home to still happening as we record this 1025. So the, you know, the shelf life of this episode is, I don't know, on the East Coast, like <laughs> a couple hours I mean, in I the guess morning, it's the same as it is on the West Coast, but at least you <laughs> might listen to it tonight on the on the West Coast. But you might listen um, to it in the morning so, before play kicks off. That's fine. Before we 940. So we, time. We, <laughs> Just like our old days of the open in the radio booth. We're doing drive time radio here. <laughs> our old days of that was play by play in the open, you know. You know, Tyler Duncan yeah. to five. Feet. Us radio the guys. Goes nuts. Us radio guys uh, know how to how to survive the times. So we're gonna make this short and sweet. Um, you had a great day out there. I had a great day watching. I have no real complaints. I'm not upset about anything. It seems like there's some grumbling going seems on. Seems like about there's the a lot of upset people. Are there on Twitter? There, that's just the general nature of Twitter. Upset people about whatever the, the cause of the day is. Um, it's like maybe I, I've been, uh, you know, if it's just dead calm and cloudy, you know, the way this golf course gets hard is when it's sunny. What happens is when the sun comes out, the breeze comes up and it dries out. You know, the reason that they lost control at Shinnecock a little bit was that the sun was out and it was breezy, okay? There's a balance here. And this was always going to be a golf course that was gettable. We talked about this. I talked about this for hours in the lead-up of this. Right. It is a gettable golf course. There are eight super gettable holes. One, three, six, uh, eight, 10, 12, uh, 14, 15, are all very gettable holes. Like if you hit a good drive, those holes turn into birdie holes. And you know, I think the thing that people that need bad? to realize. Why are we? Well, the, why do we have to say that's bad? I it's don't know not why we're bad. bad. I what yeah. I don't get is this fascination of every U.S. Open has to be the exact same identity. Well, yeah, I don't. I, when you I go to different golf courses. 
<laughs> there were two 62s, there were two 64s, and there were two 65s. Um, I guess maybe I'm biased having walked the course, having seen the course, obviously having um, some deference to certain authorities who know golf courses and architecture like Shackelford, yourself, others who, you know, this is a bona fide gem. And like, I don't know what you want them to do. There are 156 players. People are going to pitch another big, they make that's it. That's another big thing. Juice it up. That maybe juice it up for Saturday, but, but, or, or Sunday. I don't know. Whatever the weather depends. But there's 156 guys, and if they go crazy, and and literally that might they would have had to be. I don't even know if it's within the realm of possibility to make this extremely much more harder than than it could have been today. And it's stupid to do with 156 players in the field because then Twitter will be screaming about how it's a six Slow. and a half hour round. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's so, the thing. There, are, there are a number of tees that were up today, and I the pins weren't tough. But where were you they? Know up? What? They, they were up on where ten. Were they, up? they were up on eleven. They were up on. Um, uh, seven. Uh, they were. I think it was up. Seven didn't. Yeah. Seem huge. Um. Yeah. So they. It was not the re. The. You know what was great today? Honestly, shockingly great. When I was, I I went eighteen with Homa and, and Scheffler, which I was just appalled by. In a good way. What were? What pace of play? It was incredible. It, I yeah. It like really moved. I was like, this is this is what's great. And guess, you know what? They can go from here. This is quarter one. You know how many times there are games where there are high-scoring first quarters in, in an NBA game, and then it ratchets then down in the defense? Yeah. So, listen, like, I think this... Uh, my guess was 8 to 12. Shackelford on the fried egg pod guessed 14, 12 to 14. Anybody... Everybody who's surprised by this is just doesn't understand golf and golf courses. So, like, right. if you walk out of the golf, if you go out and walk that golf course, or if you've played it and you understand golf courses, you would know that it's the scores were going to be low. All right, and was I surprised at, at six two sixty twos? I guess like maybe a little bit, but it was such perfect scoring conditions that like. Hey, and the the great thing about it, it lets you go do that. I think that's the amazing thing about the golf course is you had you had Ricky shooting, you know, eight under. He was playing with Justin Rose, who's been playing really well this year, who I think shot seventy five. You know, yeah. Rose, I was I was scraping the bottom of the board to see like who actually kind of <laughs> we got to do a little mea culpa on the palpable Sam Stevens buzz because he's down there with Justin Rose. We my guy Kitty, I'm a bombed out too. Yeah. I was sitting on yeah, the but Kitty Rose cat. was the big name that jumped off for me at seventy five. Um, I made a five dollar bet with KVV on the on the ninth hole. I was on the 18th of green. Kitty Yama was teeing off, and I go, see that guy? That guy's going to win the U.S. Open. <laughs> and he goes, no way. No way. And I go, well, I think he's going to be in the mix. And he, he, I was trying to get odds on top 20, and we ended up $5. I just need to give him the 5 bucks tomorrow. <laughs> you never know. Maybe he shoots 63 tomorrow, uh, 62. Uh, I, I was – I guess this gets – 
People want everything all at once. And this gets us tied up into this U.S. Open identity. I need to see masochism. I'm a sadist. I need to see punishment. But you know what this is? I also want to see excellent golf courses and golf architecture as it's intended to be. Like, what do you want? What, what, What do you want here? Do you want to see people get punched in the face? What we saw walking off. Actually, you were with me. Walking off uh, yesterday before I left, the last stroll around the park before I had to leave, very prominent caddy talking to us about like, you know, what's fun? The Masters is fun. Like the British Open's fun. Like that's fun golf. This one is usually, it's literally, it's not fun. This course though, this US Open, this is so fun. Uh, like a person, a cat, like, and isn't that what it should kind of be about? I guess some would push back and say, no, this, this shouldn't be fun. This should be about shoot trying to break, break 72. But I, I guess like for me, my enjoyment of this specific U S open is not hampered or corrupted at all by seeing players shoot 62, especially when we had some of the forewarning that that's what would happen. And it's not, um, I guess any fault of the course or probably fault of the USGA. I just don't know where, where you would do that with 156 guys in the field. Um, do you think this is as low as it's going to get? Or as, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to shoot 61, but is it going to be this uh, widespread low scoring? I, I mean, the if the weather's like better? today, it's going to be, I, you know, I was talking to Jeff who, who uh, out on the course, we were watching uh, Scheffler and Homa and uh, for a little while we were talking and he, he's been really instrumental with the USGA with pin positions. And he was like, we, yeah. they've got a lot of, they've got some tough whole options and fun options. I'm guessing based off of today's scoring, the fun options are going to be off the board, you know, um, <laughs> you know, and that sucks, right? I don't know. I guess like when I think about like the most fun U.S. Open Saturdays in recent years, I think about like Aaron Hill's Saturday or most fun days in U.S. Open. Like last last year's U.S. Open on the weekend was electric. I thought the weekend was mm-hmm. unbelievable. The best. I think the best golf of the year, kind of pure golf to watch. Mm-hmm. And. And then, you know, I think Aaron Hill's Saturday was unbelievable. And that was a was a Saturday where scoring was afforded to players. You know, you were able to score. We the shots that we saw Justin Thomas hit that day were incredible. Um, you know, Chambers Bay had some issues, but it was really fun, right? Um, yeah, that was great. I think this is going to be a super fun tournament. And I do think the forecast shows sunny for Saturday and Sunday. If it's sunny and breezy in the afternoon, the scores are going to come down and 68 is going to be a really good score. Now, if it's cloudy Uh, again tomorrow, listen, this could get somewhere, but isn't this what we love about the open championship where it's kind of like, well, it didn't blow at St. Andrews. So, the scores were really low, and that's okay. Oh, and I mean, that's the box. That's this is the box that the U.S. Open sort of put themselves in with their well, own history, and that's why all these and, courses and, are contrived. Right, and and what I mean, John Bodenhamer came out and said it in his press conference. Said we didn't want to put the U.S. Uh, U.S. Open the USGA blueprint on this or thumbprint, thumbprint. USGA thumbprint 
on this venue. I was like, well, I mean, you're admitting a thumbprint there that and your thumbprint is high, rough and narrow fairways. And so is that an admission that you have no more thumbprint and the thumbprint is to have nothing at all? And so, you know, I think they're sort of burdened and hamstrung by their own history and identity of just wanting to when quite frankly, maybe the golf consumer and viewer was not as enlightened or maybe just had a different attitude towards what good golf was and what good, what championship golf was. Um, and so that, that they tried to live up to that standard, but it certainly seems to be creating some backlash now as they try to either get away from it or live up to it. Hey, let's talk actually about what happened. Um, because I, I, I think this is going to be an ongoing story throughout the week and we're probably gonna have to talk about it more. Um, what do you want to talk what about happened? Ricky? What about him? How about 62, that? 10 birdies? Do you think there's enough variety at the top of the leaderboard? I mean, Brian Harmon has played well at two, That's what I th- two U.S. Opens. Aaron Hills and here. It's, it's amazing what happens when you give a short hitter a chance to hit fairways. When he has a chance to hit fairways, they can, they can play. And, you know, he, he made a ton of putts. I mean, his strokes gained numbers, only 25. I'm putting, but like, you know, I think that's the cool thing about this. Like you've got obviously the best players in the world, but Ricky's not long anymore. He's in there. That's what, that's why I threw the variety thing out there. I know Brian Harmon's not long. And then you got a bunch of long players, but Wyndham Clark didn't hit the ball particularly great today. He chipped and putted his ass off, you know? Um, So I think, I, I, I mean, who knows what the the way this is going to turn out? It could turn out to be all bombers, but I think you really have to hit fairways out there. Having watched, like when you hit fairways, you get birdie opportunities, and I think that was the key. If you, in the afternoon to Rory's round, it was the key to DJ. I don't think DJ missed a fairway today. No, he. I think he loved the field and ball striking. I think he loved the field and tee to green. Had a mm-hmm. great, great round until I don't know if AJ gave him a. Give him a bad number. We've seen that happen before a major championship. I'm thinking of Beth Page, that par three before you cross oh, the road God. there, whatever that is. 15 like 14, or 15. 15. Um, 15, where they like somehow hit it like 15 yards over the green when everybody else was right. Nine, I don't know what happened there. He hit in the bunker on 18, but he led the field in ball striking. Uh, do you want to talk more about Ricky? I, I think it's. Did you get out there and see him at all? I guess you I was. Rory, I was watching. With, uh, I was Scheffler. So I, I can talk in detail about that. But tell me, I, I watched a few highlights. But you know, I'd love to hear what I mean, you look, thought. He was insanely hot with the putter. He talked spoke about it afterwards. He hit it mid range putts. He said that haven't been falling in recent uh, strong runs of play. Uh, fell today. He, I think he leads the field in strokes game putting. Um, if not, he's very near the top. That's probably not going to happen again. Uh, that's also what you need to, sometimes to shoot a round of 62. He was very good strokes gained approach. What came back to me and what I hope to see at LACC with this variety and what I was kind of getting with at that point is like a couple of years ago, I think on this podcast, I talked about how Ricky might have just been a victim of like, not a victim, but but kind of not in the right slot necessarily age-wise for his game where like he was going the conventional route, right? Despite set aside all the commercials and he was a hyped amateur. Like he had eight top fives in majors. He had some, a couple marquee wins, a handful of marquee wins. 
really consistent in his 20s, right? Learning to win in your 20s, getting some big wins in 20s, contending in a lot of majors in your 20s, and then peaking in your 30s. And then he turned 30, and like the game sort of shifted underneath him with an even higher priority on speed and a greater reward for speed, quite honestly, much greater reward for speed. And it allowed an optimization that allowed these younger guys to win like the twenties. It's like, let's win now. It's speed. There's more Akawa speed, not necessarily in the speed demon category, but a lot of these players kept like came up behind him and he was on this like sort of normalization, normal sort of trajectory. And all of a sudden there are swaths of players that are right out. We see the 19 amateurs this year, like they're coming. Like there's so many of them that could compete that it became much deeper and the game sort of shifted underneath them. I think he was kind of caught in sort of a tough spot. And obviously his own play was some of that. Um, but I don't know. It's just, just kind of a working theory. I have that he was on the right path and the game sort of shifted beneath his feet to not necessarily his own um, fault of his own. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of things that were working against Ricky Fowler, right? If you think about the, the age range from Rory McElroy, who's what, 34? Yeah. Basically to Adam Scott, who is young 40s, 40, 42, maybe. Um, we can go with that. Uh, so in that age range, that eight years, there's only one truly great player. Um, like a, you know, one that you would say is a, gener- a generational star, and that is Dustin Johnson. His game happened to fit where the game went. Everybody else, like that age right. range, is that's the age range I was born in. I grew up playing with small heads and wound balls. We're the age range that, like, basically when we were coming up, you know, played vastly different equipment. And the equipment changed really dramatically in like our high school and college years. And if you think about like the players that didn't have to change equipment, the young kids were at a huge, huge advantage. And that's why there's so much talent that's younger than, you know, now is because of this technological change. There's been a study done on this. I did a podcast years ago on this, but this is what happens in any industry that undergoes a massive technological change is all of a sudden the youth workforce is like highly, highly, highly at an advantage, uh, competitive advantage. And if you think about it, like Rory grew up with a big driver, Rory, like Rory and it, and it track man came out in 2008, 2009, you know, that was like, you know, the beginning of his career, right? He, but he, he got was also to, suited to the style that was it, coming exactly yeah, also in the same way. DJ. Yeah. And, and so yeah. like DJ worked because I, and, but if you think about like some of the players that kind of got hit by this, it's like Webb Simpson, you know, Keegan Bradley, obviously both those guys, the anchor band, but like they're that era of player really, I don't, you know, in their thirties, they were obsoleted effectively, as you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. I just, which is yeah. usually yeah. when they're, you're in your coming of age. I think Ricky's on the younger side of that. It's just um, he had a more conventional path when the path from the conventional path sort of shifted right behind him and it became younger and faster. And, you know, of course, his game has suffered, too. 
and but I guess Ricky's thirty. Like that kind of yeah, he's thirty four. But that kind of history, like it's shifted behind him, right? I'm saying he was on the conventional path that probably would have worked well in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. And I think sort of the game, that's not to suggest great players didn't win in their early 20s and prior eras. It's just there's a lot, lot more of them now. And it's made it much harder. It has to be frustrating, I think, because um, and the commercialization of him clouds that, right? He got a lot of commercialization in his 20s and, and probably that amped up the expectations. Regardless, we're working with that context and to see him shoot 62 after the last year, and quite honestly, he seems to be one of the very good people in golf. Can, like, and, and like that's, you know, we're judging from a distance and that's always kind of dangerous. But he actually seems he's never in a mood. He's never pissed off. He seems to be a genuinely good guy. I wrote about this for the newsletter. You can read it there. But uh, I think it's good. It's, it's easy, easy to root for Ricky, especially after the last couple of years. So how about Xander? To top of leaderboard. Long way to go. Xander, I have a lot less to say about. <laughs> he uh I, I not in a bad way i uh, like he's was he's, he's a u.s a great, open great u.s open prototype. player he's been that since aaron hills and it travels to different kinds of u.s open setups yeah uh, he's, I, he's I, i've been waiting for him waiting for him to pop you know uh i think like one of the things that i talked about on the fried egg preview pod is like he has uh a ton of weeks in the top 10 of the world rankings. He's basically rising up the world, the best player to never have won a major list. I mean, he just passed, he's, he's catching up to Steve Stricker in terms of weeks in the top 10 in the world rankings. Um, he just passed uh, somebody, but he's at like a hundred and almost 190 weeks in the, in the top 10 in the world rankings. Like to give you an idea, people used to say Kucher was the best player never to win a major. He was at 124 in the top 10. So these this guy's racked up a ton of weeks in the top 10 in the last 5 years. Hasn't done it. It's you know, he's kind of do I unlike his good pal Patrick Cantlay, like he's actually had chances to win majors. So I don't yeah. think you can put him as like he he's just not a major player. He's a major player. Um he's great at everything and uh I you know, would not be shocking to see him win. Obviously a Southern Californian. Um but Wyndham Clark, I, I think like this has been a great year for him. I'm excited to see him in a major because he seems to be a player that's really coming into his own. Was super talented in college, and you know a lot of people expected this, but you know it hasn't been easy. And I think that's always the interesting thing, and that's one of the fascinating aspects of Ricky and in, in, in this major is like the idea of him coming back from you know kind of losing it. Yeah. Hey, if he I, wins, if yeah. he wins, he could get, he could, pa- if Ricky wins, he could possibly pass Spieth in the world rankings. He could fulfill one of my predictions. <laughs> that was a prediction for like two <laughs> calendar years ago. That was not, a, that's not, you can't just have that prediction. I can't believe I fell for just another guy. I can't believe I was worried about him. You were picking him. I can't believe you were it. All- I don't know. I'm not. I'm I'm emboldened in my stance now that I've you know He's, even he considered. was scratchy pretty pretty scruffy round for him. Uh, what's not scruffy is Bedratty, and I am decked out in the new polo they sent me. The striped look guy, uh, they, they the they, Dratty you know, house is decked we, out. We talk about variety. They've got variety. They've got shorts. I've wore my 
uh, everyday vest on the way home. The the you know red eye. You want to be comfortable, right? Red eye flight. I uh, I, ha- I want my pockets on a plane. I like I need my pockets in front. I don't want to be digging in an airplane seat going down. You know the pants or shorts pockets. So I wore my everyday vest, Stratty Sport, incredibly comfortable. Uh, I wore a polo, got home, showered, threw on my uh, Peruvian Pima cotton polo. They've got variety from shorts to boxers, but all of it's comfortable. All of it's classy. Like you can you can lounge around on the couch and like a Freebird short. You could wear it to you know sports games on like the weekend. Go to a baseball game. You could wear it out to a you know semi above casual something between formal and something above casual dinner uh it's versatile or you could just play golf in it whether it's a sport or a hoodie or whatever it is you go to bdraddy.com use the promo code sgs30 you get 30 percent off again they've been great friends of ours great supporters of ours really from the start of this podcast from the start of the fried egg really since we've been going on the road they've got us decked out this week We've got, they sent custom koozies, a bunch of custom koozies with our logo and theirs. We're honored. Amazing. It's kind of the nicest thing, you know, anyone's ever done for, for a house like this. It's the nicest it's thing anybody's slick. ever done for me. <laughs> sure, sure. No, but they take care of us. So you guys take care of them. Go to Be Dratty. You won't be disappointed. Like, we swear by this stuff. We actually, no bullshit, like, really live in this stuff from casual outings to golf outings, whatever it is. BDratty.com. Use the promo code SGS30. You get 30% off. They are our sponsor throughout the week. They got some guys in the field. Old OBJ is hey, getting a lot of run Brian, here. Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon was probably Harman. so comfortable. That's why he played well. Um, yeah. L- let's and talk about a variety of sizes, too, as you can tell. Brian Harmon's doing well. There you go. Um, That's a Harmon joke. <laughs> Not just a variety of clothes. All right, they can cover you. Let's let's move on. <laughs> what what yeah, do you want to talk about say. next? I, you seemed eager to say something, so you, it's on you. Hey, I I want to talk You're about. To move uh, on. I was excited. I had a fun morning. I uh, I watched Scheffler and uh, Homa. Scotty Scheffler is just inevitable. I wrote this for the newsletter. It's just it's kind of crazy. Like he played, he was playing. I thought bad. Rom's inevitable. Scheffler like was everybody said bad. Rom's inevitable. Scheffler was bad to start off this morning. He was pissed off. He was slamming clubs on on the seventh hole, like he was or eighth hole. He was like legit hot. Um, then he hits a good iron on nine, and it's just off to the races. He makes a putt. He just he's just gone, and it's like, yep, there he is. He's he's you know in the mix. And uh, it's if, it's pretty unbelievable to watch him play golf, just in general. Is I mean, if, it, also, the sound thing is so 100% true. It's it's awful. A slap, a, a kind of just a... It a sounds like he, like, toe chunks every iron. And then it always ends up, like, 10 feet away. It's insane. It's, it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen and heard. It sounds... Awful. You know, we forget that he like was leading the U.S. Open last year. Yes, kind of in the Fitz Zalatoris head-to-head stuff. He was leading pretty like middle of the final round. If if there were nine and, more holes in the PGA, he might have won. And I just looked up today and I was like, of course, 
Like, I don't even know if he's playing well or not, but of course there he is among the top, on the first like little cryon they put in the bottom of the right-hand leaderboard. Like, uh, my, my son came up to me. He's like, why does Scotty Scheffler always play well? I was like, I, that's a very astute observation. You've been paying attention, young man. Like, he, he, if he's noticing it, obviously there's a certain level of consistency there. But yes, even when he doesn't have his good stuff or he's slapping around for six, seven, eight holes, he somehow seems to end up inside the top 10. One thing I want to know, what do you think Matt Fitzpatrick thinks of Sam Bennett's pre-shot routine? They're playing together. He's bad. And I was watching <laughs> Bennett playing well. Fitzy's still on the range here as we grinding late into the night. I was watching them. Fitz, who's notorious for just saying out loud about disgusted by pace of play, probably hey, bothered by having to play with Bennett. It was, uh, yeah, this is, this is not good. It's, it's, it's so slow. Um, it's, it, this is the thing. It's not getting better. Kids at age 10 are learning their aim point. That group I followed was all aim pointers. Scheffler doesn't aim point, but Ted Scott does. You know what? Homa has this little aim point part of his aim point routine. He does a little knee bend at the end of it, and it's just really it made me, it makes me chuckle every so time. So like feel the ground a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's the only guy I've seen that does this little like knee bend at the end of it. It's part of his aim point express. None of which is express. <laughs> express or non-express. Hey, Shuffler, he's he's three under. He's T seven. He played the par fives yeah. one over today. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen the rest of the way. Probably not. Probably not again. What was your most fun hole to watch that you really enjoyed, whether it's not just in that round, but kind of throughout the day? I'll say two great shots I saw, and I have to say Keith Mitchell had to be watching earlier in the day. Uh, oh, the third. right on three. It was, Michael no, Brennan miss, obviously sunk Miss it. Long. Or, Long. I'm sorry, miss. yeah, Miss Long. And then Michael Brennan obviously sank it, right? And then it seemed Mitchell clearly... Uh, probably watch that, or I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's the obvious play if that's where you're at. But two really cool shots that I saw. Not necessarily the best hole, but cool area, cool execution. Um, I just ahead. think I think one of the things that was most fun about my day was obviously Max Homas played this course a lot, um, and it was very clear that he had a game plan. I don't think Max played great today. He shot two under, um, two but under. he played really smart. And he got off to a really good start and he's in the mix. Like he, he's not out of this at all. He's six shots back, which is nothing at, at, at this course um, at this stage in the tournament. And I think he, he's like prime for a potential really good major, um, you know, and I think for him having a really good major isn't necessarily just winning. It's not win or nothing like a, you know, being in the mix at a major would be a big deal for him. And I think like one of the things I, I really loved was just how he played the golf course. There were little small things and, um, you know, a great examples on the on the eighth hole, the par five. One of the things I noticed in the practice round, uh, Rory hit a driver and then he hit I think he hit a three wood um, and it, the driver ran down, ran into the right rough. Um, and it was a good drive up the left side and it ran down to the right rough. That slope gets really severe the further you get up. And the if you lay back just a little bit and leave a longer shot in there, there's a little plateau. 
And from there, it's a really good angle into the green. It's a longer shot, which is, again, you know, nobody thinks about giving up distance on a par five. But your chances of it going into that right rough are so much smaller. And Homa, he hit three wood. He was in a great spot. He didn't hit like a great second shot, but he had an easy birdie. Scheffler hit a great drive up the left, landed maybe a yard into the left edge of the fairway and ran through into the rough. He barely, he struggled to make par. Um, so it was it was an interesting just like dichotomy. He had a, like a, in, on 12, he kind of laid up short of the, of the, of the bunkers because uh, he hit in the rough. He pushed it way right from the rough to get a good angle. And I just thought Max Homa played really smart golf. And I think like it's very clear to me he has a game plan. And if he plays a little bit better tomorrow, I could see him shooting up the leaderboard. Um, we haven't really talked too much about Roy McElroy. I don't know that we need to. We probably will Friday. We probably will Saturday. We probably will Sunday. Uh, he played really well. It sort of came, uh, got a little a little scruffy, a little sketchy there with, with some more of the wedges there at the end. I would say watching him on 16, I've never seen a hole set up so well for that's so perfectly suited for someone until it's also not perfectly suited for someone and that he had a sand wedge to the to the because he hit just it's so well suited for that big booming draw. Scotty Scheffler hit an insane one there yeah. earlier. Driver uh, wedge. 16. 540. And, um and it ends with Rory. Yeah. And it ends with Rory people saying wow what an escape what a good bogey what a momentum saving bogey and i was like this is the roller coaster we're on he had 165 in the middle of the fairway 160 like is that a good bogey is it listen, a good bogey i guess listen i, I don't he's know a, he's a yard from it's that a momentum being a saver. Good, it's a yard from being a good shot a foot like these are the the yeah. thing is the thing he didn't make double I mean that's it's a that's roller coaster, the, is what it, he made one right. bogey. He won made one bogey. If he makes one bogey in every no round, round, he's winning. Yeah, like yeah. this is this it's golf great, course is set up great for him. I think he's got like I think he's got a pretty good game plan. Um, just from where he's hitting shots, I like where he's hitting hitting the ball on some of these shorter par fours. Um, and I think he's got a great game plan. The tee shots set up so well for him. The the tough tee shots out there require draws. Um, he can draw it. Yeah. And I think the thing that's exciting about this golf course is it's a golf course that you can hit as many drivers as you want. And when when there's a lot of driver holes, you know, compare this to Memorial, right? Memorial is a you know, tough test off the tee, but it's not a lot of drivers. Like this is a driving test. And I think one of the things I'm excited to see if this plays out over the course of the week and and I'll be interested uh if it is like the uh, golf's counterintuitive. I have a feeling that like fairways is going to be like actually a meaningful stat. I don't know if it will be. There's obviously no data on this golf course. Everybody's making predictions. You know, this could be right, this could be wrong, but I think fairways is going to be a very meaningful stat by the end of the week. And if it is like you know, like wide fairways test driving accuracy because you can hit them. And I think that was like that. That was the thing that I thought like Rory's out there. He's letting letting the driver go and swinging great. And that's usually when you swing best is when you let it go. And um, 
I don't know. He's going to have a lot of birdie looks out here if he keeps driving the ball the way he is and if he can just keep limiting bogeys. I mean, like, that's the thing. This is what he didn't do at Oak Hill. Yeah, the sloppy bogeys. Uh, it was a huge putt to walk off with, no doubt. Huge putt. Um, felt like a momentum saver. Phil, kind of the opposite. It felt like Phil was tracking towards four four or five under kind of in that first top 10 and then dumps one, like just chunks one straight up chunks one on six. And it was kind of, it like really stopped the round cold in its tracks and made a bogey on seven. He, I mean, you said the T was up on seven. He just sliced one out into the, you know, what looked like it could have been the penalty, but he got kind of lucky. So how good was Rory's iron on seven? It was pretty good. Very good. That's when it felt like he's going to shoot 61. But um, yeah, Phil, Phil, I, I don't think we've heard the last of him, though, just with that. It's, he, he seems to be in good shape. It's so. a good course for him. Um, I, you know, I, I had heard one of the things on the ground I'd heard is that he's been out here more than anybody, almost more than anybody else. The other person that's been out here uh, a ton played really bad, Adam Scott. Yeah, I almost switched to one and done from Bryson to Adam Scott after I heard that. And I'm kind you, of you picked Bryson in one and done in one of them where I have like it's tricky. You got to use live guys when they show up because there's nowhere else to use them. So, you know, th- these are one of the few chances. I I um, love the way Bryson's playing golf. I feel yeah. like he's like he's got the speed, but he's now gone back to like the type of player he was in 2018 with you talked about it at Oak Hill, like the fairways and greens. And it's, uh, it's kind of, I, it's exciting. I, I, I hope he stays in the mix. It, it could be a really, really great, uh, golf tournament. Do you want to, his old guy, Mike shy was around all weekend. So he is like definitely back with sort of his old school approach that, that we, he was around at the range on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What were you going to say? No, I I was going to, I was, I was going to do an unsubstantiated rumor, but I, I'm not going to let, I'm going to save it for later. Mildly substantiated rumor, which I'm just citing and aggregating from my flight home. I threw on the fairway rolling podcast with, uh, the Rainer Joe house. Uh, just cause first one out, listen to that last night. I'm, I'm in the terminal on it. They said they heard from multiple people on one of the player zooms last week um, that one of the most vociferous people screaming at Jay Monahan, screaming at him on zoom. This is according to their podcast was Victor Hovland. The sort of docile, docile Norwegian <laughs> screaming his face off at Joe, uh, at Jay Monahan on a zoom. Is that his sort of metal a playlist sort of coming out in him where he's shouting at uh, Jay Monahan, but that was that was a funny uh, or amusing and unexpected tidbit I learned on that podcast. According to them, according to their their their, I guess substantiated rumors over there. But yeah, I like to think of of Hovland screaming his face off on a Zoom. Um, anything else you want to do before we wrap it up? I have no other real news. Nah, that's uh, that's it. We are we moving? Is the is the leading number going to be fifteen or sixteen tomorrow, or it's just going to keep going? What's the weather look like? Uh, it's huh? going to be pretty calm tomorrow. <laughs> Am I? It, so it, you never get, know with this June gloom. Like if it gets sunny in the afternoon, it could be that that the afternoon uh, 
wave today gets just like the great draw because it was it was simple like was, if it if it gets sunny you were out there like in the afternoon it gets it, when it gets sunny it gets windy so if that sun comes out it gets a little bit tougher and dries out like tuesday was exactly. really firm i think they were i think they backed off after tuesday because it got pretty firm on tuesday crispy I again, I I think they want to get through this without huge pace of play issues. I think that's like one of the big big things that they were worried about today. Yeah, time pars four forty five or something like that. But um, it seemed to move all right today. No complaints. All right, that does it for this Thursday show. We will be back tomorrow to uh, recap the midpoint. Another full day from LACC. Thanks to be Dratty. We will talk to you then. <laughs>